And we're looking forward to what God wants to teach us from his word. But let's pray to start. Father, thank you. Thank you for just the, the Christmas message and just starting at the gift, that baby in the manger uh, makes this such a significant story. But we've had the opportunity as a church family for the last number of weeks to, to step behind the scenes, to pull back the curtains and and understand part of the heart of God in, in making this decision. And So thank you for that opportunity. I pray that as we continue to look at it this morning, uh, because as we know from this passage, you want us to have an understanding of your heart for us, but you also want us to understand from this the kind of heart we're supposed to have for others. So help us to make that transition as we study together this morning. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Years ago, I, I uh, heard the story of a missionary. He'd been in, in a uh, small village in interior, interior Africa for a number of years. In fact, for all most of his adult life, and he ate, years were catching up with him, and, and he was reaching that age where it was time for him to uh, kind of step aside, and he's planning that he's going to be moving back to the States, uh, which he was excited about because there's family there that he hadn't been around for most of his adult life very often, and so that was ex- exciting to him, but at the same time, you know, the that village and those people there, he had grown to love. They They had a special place in his heart. In fact, he was visiting with one of the nationals, one of the men from the village, and one of the men who had become uh, one of his best friends. And they were talking a little bit, and and the 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 man asked him, his friend asked him, uh, "Are there any regrets?" And he said, "Well, certainly, I'm going to regret saying goodbye to all of you. I, I love you, and you've become my family, and that's going to be hard. Uh, but other than that, and he said, "Well, yeah, maybe one." He said, "Years ago, I." I I, I got to travel to the African coast, and he said, boy, it was so gorgeous. I, the sand was just like something I'd never seen before. And, and if I, I'd always hoped that someday I could get back to that coast again and, and just feel that sand one more time. And, and so I regret that that didn't happen. And, and, uh, and then they went on. He didn't, you know, no big deal. But he went on, and they talked for a little while later, and, and then the, the, they parted ways, and the missionary kept going around. He was greeting and, and talking to folks, and Next day, uh, he got up and he went out to the village again. He's trying to just kind of say his goodbyes and have plenty of time to do it. And he kept looking for his friend, and, and his friend was nowhere to be found. And he asked a few people if they'd seen him. They said, well, we, he left early this morning. We're not sure where he was going. And, and uh, this went on every day. Uh, he kept looking for his friend. And, and, and in fact, uh, days went by and it was coming down to the end and, and he was getting a little sad because he thought, I don't know where he went. Uh, obviously he went on a trip and, and he was starting to worry, I'm not going to get to see him again. And that was that was a little bit of a heartache to him. And the morning, actually the morning that he was supposed to actually leave, uh, he woke up early and, and all of a sudden he heard a familiar voice from outside of his hut yelling in to him. And he recognized it was his friend. And so he hurried out there anxious and glad, just thinking, oh good, he's to see him. And as he walked out, here was his friend. In his hands, he had a big shell full of sand. And the, the missionary was, you know, just kind of taken back. And, because in his mind, he was thinking through. this. That was a several-day journey by foot to get to that coast. And it was a journey that was in, in dangerous areas, uh, jungles and some, some areas where... Uh, the other nationals weren't very friendly towards his tribe and his village. And 
There were rivers to cross with snakes and alligators. And, and as he thought that through, he came, the missionary got a little bit ashamed. He thought, you know, I just kind of threw that out there nonchalantly. And, and, and my friend risked his life to bring me back some of that sand. And so he was, he was really apologetic. He said to his friend, he said, I, I am so sorry. I, I didn't mean for you to have to do that. You, that journey was, there was way too many sacrifices along the way to, to bring me this gift. And, he, and his friend stopped and put his hand up and he said, journey, part of gift. We know the gift, but we don't always understand the journey. And so that's what we've been trying to do. We've been exploring, we've been looking at this passage in Philippians. In fact, if you want to get in your Bibles or on your devices to Philippians chapter 2, we've been working our way down through this passage that gives us the backstory of that baby in the manger. That tells us, in a way, the conversation and the decision that had to be made for baby Jesus, God the Son, to be born in the flesh in that manger scene. And, and so we've been exploring that together and, and trying to come to some kind of an understanding as, as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit talked about the plight of humanity. Humanity that, that God had created to have fellowship with, to be able to lavish his love on, to protect and to care for. And in fact, even as he put that original man and woman in that garden and, and walked through all the, the blessings, all the creation that he had made for them to enjoy, to find pleasure in, and, and, to, and to be healthier with. And as he, as he shared that it was all theirs, and, and then for their protection, not, not to, to, to withhold anything from them, but to protect them, to make sure that they got to enjoy all this. He cautioned them against the one tree, and he said, stay away from that tree. It will bring death and destruction. And then they decided to do their own thing. They decided to put their hand up to God and say, I, all this is fine, but I want that. And, and as they did and as they, as they went to the tree and as they ate of the tree, we know that death and destruction came into their life, came into our life, and it's been that way ever since. And so, so God, the Trinity, God, the Son, the Father, and, and the Holy Spirit look at the plight of man, man, humanity that they loved and said, what can we do to fix what's been broken? To restore the relationship. Even the Bible says, even when we really didn't care. But God did. And, and so that's what we've been studying together. And we've been working our way through this passage. And, and last week we, we looked at uh, verses 5 through the beginning of verse 7. Where, and, and remember, this is that reminder. Because as we walk through this... This is about us understanding the heart of God for us and, and why he made the decision he did and what it cost him to make that journey to the cost of the deliverance for us. Uh, but remember, he said, if, as he walks through that, he says, this is the attitude we're supposed to have as followers of Christ. So he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, first of all, we established as, as Paul writes this letter to the the folks in, in Philippi, that, that church in, Philippian, in Philippi, and he says, number one, I want you to know, Jesus Christ was God. 
He was God. He is God. John wrote about that as well. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the eyewitness account of John, he said, talking about Jesus, the man he walked with, he said, in the beginning was the Word. Now later on, he's going to say, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, so we know he's talking about Jesus. So he says, in the beginning was Jesus, God the Son, the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so, right from the get-go, the first thing Paul says, I want you to understand, Jesus Christ, who was in very, being very nature God himself, he was God, there's no question. But then he went on and he said, but in, even though he was God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. We talked about that that often leads to misunderstanding. It's not saying that Jesus didn't, knew that he could never be equal to God. We've already been told he was God. But it is saying that he was willing to let go for our behalf of, of, the, of the power, of the, the surroundings of, of being God in heaven and the throne and all that goes with that. Angels who, by just the video of his word, would serve him. He was willing to set all that aside for, for a period of time for our behalf. He didn't feel like he had to grasp a hold of that thing. He didn't let go of the fact that he was God. He was always God. And yet he stepped away from those things on our behalf. And then he walks us through. He says, what does that mean? Well, for one thing, it meant he made himself nothing. In comparison to, to what it was like being God, in, in, or not being God, he was God, but, but the attributes, the benefit of being God, to comparison to what he became, it was like becoming nothing. In fact, he takes it a step further. He even took on the nature of a servant. He came to serve. So we walked through that. and So we want to continue on in this passage. And So let me read you from that point. In fact, maybe we'll start there and read down through what we want to look at this morning. Starting with verse 5 once again. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. And we're going to stop there this morning uh, as we walk down through this passage. So he says, he being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. And, and you know, this is interesting. We, some of us, in fact, maybe all of us, we might be a little offended by this. Because here's what I want you to know what's going on here. What we see as we walk down through these verses is we see things going from a human perspective or from a perspective of who he was as all enjoying all the pleasures and benefits of being God to what he has become. Things are going from bad to worse. And so why should that be offensive? Well, you know, you ever had one of those days where things are going from bad to worse? It's like, shouldn't have got up this morning. Uh, years ago, in fact, we were back in college, my wife and I... Uh, wasn't a long time after Mary, but we're, we, uh, a friend of mine uh, had, was going to get married as soon as school was out, and he'd asked me to be one of his groomsmen at his wedding. And so we made plans for it and, and uh, you know, set aside the time, and, and uh, we didn't have, you know, we're in college, so we don't have much money, so my dad had a uh, pickup and a camper on the back of the camper, and so I thought, well, if we, could, if we could sleep in the camper... That'll save us some money. So I asked Dad if I could borrow his truck and camper, and he said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine. And, 
And so, so we're, we get the truck and camper, and, we're, and we got it to the place, to our house and uh, apartment we lived in. We actually lived in student housing, it was called. Uh, some apartments that the school had built for, for the married students. And so, you know, and they were kind of little, the walls were not real thick. And the floor wasn't very thick. In fact, there was a couple that lived underneath us that we could have used the floor as being a little thicker because they fought all the time. I mean, all the time. So, so I had the truck and the camper, and Mary Lou and I are packing up, and, and uh, Danny was the husband's name. He sees me packing. He says, you guys going to, to James' wedding? I said, yeah. He says, we are too. Could we catch a ride with you? And I'm going, oh, yeah, exactly. And so I, 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 you know, I didn't know what to say, and uh, so I said, uh, sure. And I went and told my wife, and she did the same thing. And, and so, uh, you know, so we, we get everything packed. We get in all in the camper. I put him and his family in the back, and Mary Lou uh, is up front with us and uh, with me. And, and so we start, and, and it's one of those campers where it has one of those window you can actually look through into the truck, and they start fighting. I mean, almost immediately. So part way I told Mary Lou, I said, we're going to have to, I, we got to separate those two. So I had him come up front with me. I had her go back. Well, then, then his wife starts after my wife. I thought, well, if they're going to beat each other up, I'll just let it be. So we put them back there. But So that's the start of the trip. It's already miserable. And then we're driving down the road, and I hear a noise, you know, and, and so I'm like, what? and it seems to be getting louder. And, and at one point, I look in my, my right rearview mirror, and I notice that the back tri- tire on the truck is starting to move out. <laughs> With the, and, and sure enough, it goes all the way out. The axle falls. In fact, the axle went up through the bed of the truck and into the camper. So, and being college, you know what college kids do with those kind of things? We call dad. I said, dad, this is what happened. And could I get your credit card number? And he gives me the number. And, and uh, we, we get it fixed uh, a couple hundred dollars later. And we're back on the road. And, and then we hit a storm. We're had, actually heading from Colorado to Aurora, Nebraska. I mean, this is, and you know those storms that we can get in the summertime. We hit, and so I'm, I'm driving. It's, my wife keeps saying, you need to stop. You need to stop. And I'm saying, no, I need to get ahead of this. I need to get ahead because if we don't, we're going to be in. So we finally got far enough ahead of it. I thought, okay, this is good. We need to get, get something to eat. So we pulled off. It's, it's still downpouring. It's pouring rain. And we pull off and we pull in. I don't remember what town it was, but there was a, a A&W root beer stand. So I pull in. And when I get in there, there's no room under the canopy because it's raining and everybody's got. So I, so I pulled in one of the parking spots out there, but we weren't going to go get out. We were going to wait to pull in. And when I pulled into this, I want you to know, I said to myself, now remember, the camper is higher than the canopy. But it took about 20 minutes for a place to open. And in fact, this is my sin nature. As the place opened up, as the guy's backing out, I see somebody else pulling in, and I can tell he's looking at that spot, and I'm thinking, buddy, you are not getting that spot. So as soon as there was room, I gunned that truck and roared into that spot and forgot all about the camper. Now we have rain coming into the camper because I put a great big hole in the front, and, and you know, I just went from that. So it, and then I get a ticket because I, I pull out. And they think I'm leaving. I'm just pulling out to survey the damage. And so that someone inside called the cops. So now cops come in. And, and they inform me that I will be spending the night at that town because I got to pay a ticket in the morning. And so, and then the worst of it is I get to, to the wedding and he forgot that he ever asked me to be a groomsman. 
I kind of wondered why he never gave me, asked for my measurements. I thought, well, I brought a suit. I thought maybe he's just going to have a simple wedding. And I get there and I say, so what time's practice? And he said, practice? I said, yeah. I'm, he asked me, to be, oh, I forgot. Bad to worse. But that's what he's saying. That's what's going on in this list. And so it can be a little offensive when you think that now he's got down to being made in human likeness and he's saying, now we're really getting bad. You know, and, 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 but here's the reality. Number one, it was never supposed to be like that. Destruction, disaster, disease, sickness, tears, sorrow, death, all those things that makes life hard are all because of what sin has done in the midst of our world and our creation. And someday God's going to put all that back the way he put it in the first place. And if you know him, you're anxious for that day. But for now, it's like, it is not that way. It, it, is a not, it is not a fun place to be. It, you know, we have our good moments, but man, do we have our bad moments. And so he's saying, we're working down this list, and, and every step down is a little worse. And, and so we walk down through emptying himself to no, nothing, and then to being a servant, and now going lower still, now he's, I'm gonna, I, he took on humanity. He took on human flesh, which is what this means. In fact, this is kind of misleading because you might think that in human likeness and as a man are, are two different words, but in the Greek language they're the same word, anthropos. So basically he said twice, being made in human likeness and being found in appearances as a human. It's the same thing. And, and so now we're saying, well, what's going on here? Well, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about that first section first as, as he took on, as he in hum, took on human likeness. Uh, John MacArthur said, talked about what this meant. He took upon himself self, all the frailties, limitations, problems, and suffering that, that were the heritage of the fall. Enduring all its terrible earthly consequences. So he took all of that on himself. And remember, he's doing this for our, not for his behalf. There is nothing about these decisions that's going to be beneficial to him. Nothing. He's doing it totally on our behalf. He's made these decisions. He's allowing these things to happen. And you know, if it had been my, if I was writing this, I would have wrote it kind of like a movie. Okay, if I was God, I'd say, okay, here it is. So, so you know how movies work. So you're watching, you know, the, the actor shows up that day and, and, and they start putting the makeup on him and, and this is going to be a survival movie, you know, and so, you know, they got places, blood spots, and they're going to make him look very gaunt in his face. And so then you move to this, he's shooting the scene, and so according to the scene, you know, he's dragging himself along this desert floor, and, and he's about to die, you can tell, because he's doing a good job, and, and, and he's just barely making it, and, and he just wants some water, and just, and he's hungry. Uh, and, of course, that's what the script says. He's hungry, and, in fact, the vultures are feeding on something, and for him, it kind of looks like steak. He's so hungry, and, and so... And then, all of a sudden, the director yells, Cut! And he goes back to his lush motel and orders uh, steak on, you know, to be delivered to the room. And, and you know, so, so if I was a guy, I'd say, well, let's just do it that way. I, you know, I can jump into the scene, do my little thing, at night go back to heaven, but he didn't. He took on flesh and blood. He came and, in fact, even to the point of being born of a mother. 
Why did he do that? Because that's what it would take. For it to be possible for some of us, and remember, not even all of us would respond, but for some of us, just a portion of humanity to be restored to the relationship with God that he wanted it from the very start. And, and remember, he didn't do that because he needed it. He wanted it. He wanted relationship with us. And he set up this beautiful garden and, and, and all the benefits of that garden because that's what he knew was in the best interest of Adam and Eve and, and humanity. And this is all because he wanted that. He desired that. And now, he's, now we broke it and he's saying, okay, how do I restore it? That's his heart for us. That's what he's about. And so he took on human, human flesh. And, and you know, he, he could have just made, an, made a show of it. I mean, there were times that the angels have. You, you have op- several opportunities where, where the angels will take on the form of, of, of a man uh, and show up in the scene to have a conversation. Even times in the Old Testament, we call them Christophanies, where we're where sure God actually came down, took on the appearance of a man to have conversations. We had one with Abraham and Sarah one time. They had a conversation. and So he could have done it that way, but not, to re- not in resolve the issue of our sin and paying that penalty because that penalty had to be paid and it couldn't be paid. God couldn't just say, you know, okay, someone had to make the payment, go through the punishment, bleed the blood, die the death because that was the penalty for sin. And so he became flesh and blood for our benefit. It's interesting in the men's study, uh, each week, uh, uh, Corey and Mark are, are giving the guys uh, some questions to work through after we do our session. And, uh, and, and being men, and because they're men and they know human nature, the first few weeks they gave us the questions and kind of expected us to answer the questions. Well, after about a week, maybe two, we might have made two weeks, they saw, Mark said, okay, he said, all right, guys, one, pick one, just one question and answer one question. So last week, or the week, the end of, yeah, last week we had like, I think like nine questions. And so I picked my question, and Mark didn't pick me to answer, so I never got to answer my question. So you're going to hear the answer. But, but one of the questions resolved around this statement, back up in verse three. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, where he says, In humility, consider others better than yourselves. And the question was this Why did he say, In humility, consider others better than yourself, rather than in humility, Treat others better than yourselves. So I, I pondered that for a while. That was a good question. And here's the conclusion I came to. You can treat someone some way and not really feel it, can't you? You know, you can, you can treat someone uh, like you really like them. When inside your heart you're saying, ah, oh, jeez, them again? Can't you? I admit that I've done it at times, you know. You're a good pastor, you got to like everybody. So you, you treat them, and, and, and it's not a reality. You're really like, oh, please. You can treat, you know, you can, you can treat someone like uh, you care about who they are when the reality is you're just trying to manipulate them into doing something you want them to do. Can't you do that? 
you can treat that woman in, in line in front of you that is, is fishing in her purse for the food stamps like, oh, you understand and it's all right. When you're wrestling in your heart and you're saying, oh, I wonder if they're one of those that just, you know, they're just living off of my taxes. Not at all knowing their story. But we treat them because we know we're supposed to, you know, smile and be nice. You can, you can treat, uh, you know, that, that guy that's trying to inch out in front of you in, in, the, in traffic in the car, and you can smile at him and say, yeah, go ahead, buddy, come on out. Yeah, your time's more important than mine. I get it. I, and, you know, what you really feel like doing is just full blast born into the side of the car, and that'll teach you to start. We can, we can treat people all kinds of ways and, and not really be what's in our heart at all. And he's saying that's not good enough. He says, I want you to consider. I want you to have an understanding of, in fact, the way Chandler put it is, when you look at the people around you, do you see a soul? And, and what he meant by that, he went on to explain, is do you see someone actually created in the image of your God? And sometimes there's someone desperately desperately needing to know that that's who they are. And so it's not enough for us to treat. He says, I want it to be a part of what you are in your heart. I want you actually to consider them that way. wasn't enough for Jesus just to pretend, show on the scene, do a few things and then skip back up to heaven. He came and took on flesh and blood because that's what had to happen in order for our relationship to be restored. Then he goes on and says, found in the appearance of this man, and you're saying, oh, now wait a minute. Didn't you just spend all that time saying that he was man, and now you're saying he is the appearance of man? What is going on? What, was he man or wasn't he? You know, what's going on here? Well, well the point being made here is, still in line, it's not saying that he wasn't in, in fact flesh and blood. Here's what it's telling us. It's telling us that he went to such great extent to take on flesh and blood that the very appearance that he took on, the very posture he took on as we walked down through that, the servant, the the, all these things that we're talking about he were so so different than what people were expecting the Messiah to appear as that just that alone would mean some were going to reject him. Folks did not appear the or did not expect the Savior to appear as a baby. A baby born to parents who couldn't even afford to buy their way into a decent place to have the baby born. They had to settle for a manger and all the smells and the dirt and all the things that go with being a manger. As pretty as we try to make that, it was what it was. And some would say, hmm, that can't be God the Son. That can't be the Messiah. Being a servant, taking on the, and, and serving and looking out for everyone else and putting others before himself. There were individuals who say, that's our king is serving? No, it can't be. I reject. And 
So he took on this appearance. He made it, it so convincing. And, and in fact, the truth of it was, he, took, he became these things to the point where some would say, I reject him because he doesn't fit my perspective of what God come in the flesh, the Messiah should look like. And some people are still doing that. And maybe you're wrestling with that. It's too good to be true. How, why would God become human? Why would God live life on this earth? And why would God allow himself to be born into a poor home? Why would God allow himself to be tried and convicted of a crimes he never committed? Why would God allow himself to be sentenced to death, the most cruel form of punishment, probably one of the most full, the, one of the most cruel forms of punishment ever, ever thought of man, because I believe Satan had a part in that timing. Why would God allow himself to be nailed to a cross? Can't be. But it is. And the why is because he loves you. And he loves me. But remember, this whole discussion, it's about God and getting some perspective on what he decided, what he did on our behalf. But again, it's, it's really about me having the attitude of Jesus and you. And so here's the question for you and I who say we are followers of Christ. For this season, but hopefully more than this season on into it. But So what am I willing to sacrifice? I got an in, some insight into what God's willing to sacrifice. But what about me? What am I willing to sacrifice? What cost am I willing to make? To deliver the message. How far am I willing to go? To share the gift. Because see. The journey is part of the gift. And God's saying to you and I. His followers. Make the journey. Because there are people around you and I. That need to know. That our God loves them. That this story. This baby in the manger is about them. It's about God chasing after them. Or maybe someone in this room that has not yet made that baby your Savior, has not accepted that gift of forgiveness that he's offering. It's about God chasing after you. Because that's why I came here. That's why he did all these things. And we haven't, we haven't hit the bottom of the ladder yet. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to find out where it goes from here and Talk about bad to worse. And yet all of that. And you know, as, as, as we look at this, and, and we might be offended as we, he looks at humanity and says, hey, you're pretty far down the ladder. But do you understand that God loves us? He loves the bottom of the barrel. That's us. He didn't create us to be the bottom of the barrel. Someday he's not going gonna, gonna to restore things back the way they're supposed to be. But as we're there, he says, I'll step into that barrel to save you if you'll let me. So if you haven't accepted that gift, that's your, that's your question today. Will you let him? We accept that gift of forgiveness that he's offering. It's yours. It's a gift for you if you'll take it. And for the rest of us, 
get out there and tell people about the gift. Because they need to know your God loves them. And sometimes the only way they get that message is by seeing how much you love them. And I love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We challenge our hearts. We, we would at times like to just hear the, the pleasant little Christmas story that we've heard so many years and all that reminds us of your love and that sweet baby in that manger. And, but you have so much more for us. There's a journey that you want us to take. There's a cost to deliverance. And some of us have had the privilege of receiving that gift. And so we are a child, but, but now we have a responsibility to point the way for others. So I pray for those opportunities that you're going to give us, maybe before this day is over, where we're going to have contact with someone that desperately, desperately needs to know that God loves them. Let us be the messenger. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.